You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, we've been in a new series. It's a new month. Last week we started talking about the church. And so the emphasis on prayer for the month of March is the church. So we're going to uh, just not only learn to pray for the church, but we're going to learn more about how we can become a part of the church and work together in the church. It's exciting. I had a church member tell me after the first service, we had a wonderful time together. They said, I'm so thankful that we're emphasizing a little bit more about how we can be the church here at at Gospel Light. Because sometimes we, you know, during the missions conference and talking about all the churches in Hot Springs, but preacher, I'm grateful that right now we're focusing right here on this congregation. And that's really what we're doing over the next few weeks is we're focusing on us, our family. We're looking at Scripture and determining exactly what is God teaching us. How can we pray for each other, yes, but also become more like a biblical community? And of course, what's going to happen when that happens is we're going to pray more. Prayer is going to be more natural and more a part of the culture of of our church family. So we're in Acts chapter 2, and we've been focusing on verse 42. And last week, we, we kind of put an exclamation mark after the word teaching or doctrine in that verse. Because the, they dedicated themselves, they devoted themselves, last week we talked about this, to the apostles' teaching, to their doctrine. We determined that a church is only a church. It's only a church if it is committed to the truth. There's a lot of fake churches out there. I do not want to be a church that is a fake church. Only a real church is committed to the truth. May we be a church that just isn't church in name only, but is a church based on biblical truth, on on the Bible, on the Word of God. Let's be committed in an immovable way to the truth of God's Word. That was last week. This week, we go a little further into the verse. We dive a little deeper, and we're going to answer several questions this morning about this word, fellowship. What a word. It is a word that has been misunderstood, and we're going to talk about how it's been misunderstood this morning. What exactly is fellowship? How does fellowship happen? Why is it so important, and how can I experience, how can you experience real biblical fellowship? Very serious and very, I think, uh, helpful this morning to all of us understanding exactly how this looks and how impactful it can be on the lives of every individual and every family in our church. So here's the biblical thought. Look at it, Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Now, it's amazing how often fellowship is mentioned in Scripture. But to be honest, initially I'm thinking it seems like there's a whole lot more things that are more important than fellowship that could have been placed in this verse. You know, when I think about some of the most important things about the church, I don't know that I would say if I were just asked, you know, outside of this message, yeah, oh, and fellowship. You know, it just seems like there's other things that would be important, more important. But fellowship is very important to God. And so let's look together today at 10 things the Bible says about fellowship. Are you ready? Number one, let's jump in. Fellowship means our common life together. Our common life together. Now, that means it's more than casual conversation at church in the lobby or in the atrium. 
Or what about when we used to have, and I'd love to go back to this, there's nothing wrong with it. We, we did it for, uh, I think, prior to COVID. We, we had what we call the shake hands time. Anybody remember that? Sing, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Walk around and shake hands. It was cool. About two minutes at last, we'd go up and down and you'd shake hands. And how are you doing? How's your family? How's the weather? What's happening? And, and we actually probably even refer to that as let's fellowship together. But fellowship is so much more than just relational warmth and social exchange. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's more than just, hey, would you like to come over to the house for pizza? Hey, let's grill burgers together. And let's just kind of hang out and watch the Razorback game. And that would have been a dismal meeting yesterday. But anyway, uh, but it's more than that. that. Those are good things. I love to watch the Razorbacks, and I love to grill hamburgers, and I'm a, I'm a fan of pizza. But fellowship is so much more than just hanging out and having relational warmth and social exchange about the weather. So fellowship, what is it? Well, the Greek word is the word koinonia. And it means partnering together. The word means sharing. It means participation. It means communion. What what a word. When you begin to really examine the word fellowship, it goes so far beyond the borders of what our normal understanding has been. Fellowship means a relationship between individuals which involves active participation in a common interest with each other. That, that definition says so much more than just how, hi, hi, how are you? Uh, what's going on in your life? This is so much more than that. Active participation. And when we are actively involved in a common interest and do it together, there's some explosive things. That, can, that is a major upgrade in my understanding of what fellowship is. And so the best summary is simply this, our common life together. It is the way in which our lives overlap because we have so much in common. It is more than just spending time together. It is more than just saying, hey, why don't we just go out and have lunch together? There's absolutely nothing wrong with those things. I love having lunch together. I love spending time together. But fellowship, get this, it's doing life together. It's doing life together. It's co- we're committed to one another. We're sharing, we're exchanging, we're working together, and, and, and we're winning with one another. We're rejoicing with those who rejoice. We're weeping with those who weep. We're on the edge of our seats, if you will, when someone in our church is experiencing a victory, or maybe when someone in our church, as we all do, right, experience defeat in life. Because life gets hard sometimes, doesn't it? And it's so important to have people who come alongside us, and it's as if they're suffering with us, you see. I was thinking yesterday when I went to the retirement center, this is a cool little story that I think illustrates, and I love to tell stories that actually happen between sermon to sermon, right? Because it's just real, and it's like a Holy Spirit thing. So we're at the retirement center yesterday, and we end the service. We're about to leave. It went a little long yesterday. And so I said, hey, you know, God bless you guys. See you next week. And this guy named Charlie raises his hand. Now, Charlie, you got to know Charlie. He's been married 70 years. His wife's still there. He carts her into service every, every Saturday, 70 years. So Charlie has been really honorary lately, and we didn't know why. Charlie, he comes to the service, but I didn't know this until he raised his hand and said, I'd like to say a word of testimony. Now, we call that little congregation over there Gospelite Garrett. 
it's really important. Butch preached there last week. Mo preached there the week before. Scott preached there the week before. I preached there this week. A lot of guys are preaching at Gospel Light Garrett. It's about 30 people that gather every Saturday for about an hour, hour and a half, and worship together, and they give their offerings to our church. In fact, I took up a really good offering yesterday, and I gave it today on behalf of that congregation to the Annie Armstrong offering. So it's a significant group of people, and Charlie raises his hand and says, I just want to share a word. I, I just want you guys to know I'm sorry for the way I've been acting over the last few weeks. We're like, oh, no, what is he going to say? He said, you see, I lost my hearing aid. He said, I hadn't been able to hear. He said, man, I, I've been short with my wife. I've been short with you, and I, I, I haven't heard a word in the la- of the last four sermons in this, in this church. I just come and watch you move your mouth. I can't hear anybody. I can't sing the songs because I don't know what you're singing. He said, and I, I needed a hearing because I lost my hearing. So I looked, went to my bank account. This is exactly what he said. He said, I looked up my balance, and I didn't have enough money to buy another hearing aid. He said, so I got real sad. And he said, and I went to my closet, and I was looking for something, and lo and behold, there was my hearing aid. He said, I put my hearing aid back in. He said, and I, I, I heard every word of Pastor Capace's sermon today. I heard every song that we sang. And he said, I just want to say to my church family, praise the Lord that I can hear again and thank God for hearing aids. We all broke into a massive round of applause. Two or three people stood up. We shouted. We praised the Lord. You say, Pastor, really? What's the big deal? Well, somebody in our congregation experienced a win. Amen. I, I was happy about that. It had nothing to do with me personally, not me personally, but yet it did. Because that's my brother. And I love Brother Charlie, and he comes every Saturday, and he's faithful. And, 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 and so we rejoiced with it. You see what I'm saying? Can I tell you the other day when I went to a gospel-like Christian school ball game, and I watched Kyron Graham come around the corner and slam dunk it on another player on the other team. Soon as Kyron dunked it, I don't know how many of you know Kyron. He's a pretty good little athlete. I turned around because I knew where his dad was standing. And as soon as Kyron dunked it, I looked and saw his dad. And his dad came unglued. I mean, jumped up, just went like this, shouted, and hey, went crazy. And I remember thinking, I'm so glad that Kyron dunked the ball. Look how happy his dad is. It made me happy that he was happy. Is that, is that how you feel about each other? Aren't you happy when your church is happy? Aren't you sad when maybe someone else is sad? Barbara, thank you for filling me in on on Bill. That was a great conversation we had. We were doing life together, just talking about where you're at, where Bill's at, how work's going, how the hours have increased. And I I know I'm talking a little personal here, but I've known you for so many years. You've been a member here. I feel like you'll help me get this point across. My point is this. Conversations so often go surface, they don't go deep, and that's not fellowship. And so we've got to learn the value of doing life together. Fellowship means our common life together. Number two, fellowship was a high priority in the early church. It was a high priority in the early church. Again, look at our text, verse 42, and focus not on the word fellowship. Focus on the word continued. And they continued. The reason I love that word is this wasn't just a six-month commitment. 
this wasn't just something that they said, you know what, as far as this church or my, my, my commitment to this fellowship, you know what, it's, it's kind of going to just depend on how you treat me and how good you are to me and how well you preach and how well you sing and how much. No, no, it, it, that's not what it's about. I'm committed to continue steadfastly, not only to the teaching and the doctrine, but to the fellowship, to the fellowship. Do you see here, there is so much more commitment. This was high priority to them. Notice the word steadfastly. In some of your translations, it might use the word devoted. These folks were not just committed to fellowship. They were continually steadfast towards this. When I feel like it, when I don't feel like it. When it's convenient for me and when it's not convenient for me, I am going to continue in the fellowship. I'm not giving up on this. I'm not giving up on this. Have you ever wanted to give up? Have you felt that way about, 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 I'll just throw a bunch of things out there. Have you felt like giving up on your marriage, giving up on your church, giving up on a friendship, giving up on a job? You ever felt like just giving up? You have to answer out loud. I'll answer my out loud since I'm the guy talking. I have. There's been times I've felt like giving up. But can I tell you, when you are continuing steadfastly, when fellowship, when communion, when friendship me is valuable to you, you don't give up on it. You press through that difficulty. You see, we are not just doing Sunday morning together. We're doing life together. We're doing life together. We are not going to get so busy with things that we don't have in common that we neglect the things that we do have in common because we got a lot in common. You say, well, name something. All right, let me think. Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus. Say amen. 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 Well, that's a big commonality right there because everything revolves around Jesus. Everything we've sung about today is about Jesus. Everything we're talking today has to do. By the way, fellowship is is a character of our Father, Jesus. He he often talked about the fellowship. In fact, we'll talk in just a moment about the fellowship of his sufferings. The whole song we just sang about this man of sorrow who came down and walked in dirt with us. He came down and experienced life with us so that we could become children of God. Fellowship. You know, there's five reasons that I wrote down as to why we don't make fellowship a priority Because it was a priority in the early church, number one, is this. We just get too busy. I had somebody tell me in the first service as they walked out, you got me on that busy thing. I said, tell me about it. I said, because I get too busy, so tell me about it. He said, man, do you know how many many years I have said I'm not in a small group because I'm too busy? I said, how many years? He said, it's been at least three years. I've had five people ask me to get in a small group, and every time I say, look, I'm just too busy. He said, but pastor, today, you remove that excuse as a valid excuse. He said, I'm going to really work hard at getting in a small group. You know, this is a breakdown in fellowship. I'm just too busy. I've got too much going on. You don't understand my schedule, pastor. And by the way, I could say it to you. You don't understand my schedule. I'm with you. I get it. I, I, I do tend to neglect things because of my busyness. This is a reason we don't make fellowship a priority because if we are too busy for each other, we are too busy busy. Number two, I'm afraid to let people get to know me. And this is a reason why we don't fellowship. I just, you know, I don't know. If I go over and, I, you know, don't they talk there and ask questions? Well, yeah, they, they usually do. You don't have to worry about it at first. Just get, well, I know, but I don't want to, I just, that's kind of that touchy-feely stuff. I just don't want to get to know people. You need people. 
we need each other. It's vitally important that you do not live life alone. Accountability is critical when it comes to fellowship. This is so important to the, to the understanding what fellowship is. There is no selfish in fellowship. There is no I in fellowship. Fellowship is about us and we and together. I've been hurt. I struggle with trust, Pastor. You see, I, 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 I've been in a church and I've been hurt by a pastor. I've been hurt by a staff member. I've been hurt by my teacher. I've been hurt by a, a person in the church. I, I've been hurt by other Christians. And I have too. Everybody in this room has been hurt by someone who said they were a follower of Christ. And maybe they were. We're, we're hurt. We're all bro- broken in this room today in some way or another. But if we continue to just run from fellowship because we've been hurt, we're not going to experience healing. And I want to encourage you not to just use the excuse, well, I'm good, I'm good, I've got this, me and God are okay, I don't need people. You do need people. Number four, I don't need other people. (laughs) So we covered that one already, right? Yes, you do need other people. And number five, the reason why we don't make fellowship a priority is because we have a secret sin. And you see, when we have secret sins, we don't want anybody to find out about what it is we're doing or what we're struggling with. And so what we we do is we avoid fellowship, and that is so sad. Because if you're not connected to people, oftentimes you will continue in that sin, and you'll keep it a secret and struggle with it over and over again. Because here's what you don't know. You are loved here. You're loved here. By the way, there's not too much we haven't heard, and there's not too much we haven't experienced ourselves. The truth of the matter is, is we have that in common as well. We're all sinners. Nobody here is better than anyone else. We know what it's like to hurt. We know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to make bad decisions, and we know what it's like to find the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the love in the body of Christ. So guess what? Before you're too concerned about hiding your secret sin anymore, just join the rest of us who have went ahead and just decided to share that we're not perfect. I used to, as a pastor of this church, I used to guard that. I was very careful. I, I, I kind of felt like, you know what, I, I've got to be the spiritual one. I've got to make sure that I, I have this aura about me. And I'm, I, I'm exaggerating to make a point. I I don't think I, I, I don't know that I ever, you know, had a pious attitude, but I do know that I was very reserved and cautious and careful and guarded against sharing too much about my life. Now I find myself overly transparent, almost to the point where somebody, uh, folks have said to me on regular occasions, man, Pastor, yeah, you, man, you kind of, you know, you, you share a lot, don't you? <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, I've learned. I've just learned that you listen more when I share more. <laughs> When I'm more open, you feel more comfortable. And that's the way it is. We're all in this together. All of our baggage, all of our good, all of our bad. Listen, that's what we come to Christ with. And he loves us. He accepts us. And we can love and accept each other. Number three, fellowship was for believers only. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. I have to quote this verse often in my counseling and helping people to understand how important it is to have uh, Christian fellowship. Look here. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness or unrighteousness and what communion has light with darkness. 
truth with darkness. The idea here is, is you can only go so deep with people who don't know the Lord. You can only go so deep with people who just don't know Christ. And so sometimes, if you're like me, you have faced these moments in your life where you attempt to really, uh, you know, influence some an unbeliever, which we should, and, and we, in, we live in this world, we're not of the world, so we try to influence. I remember as a, as a college student working at Sears and Roebuck for a year, five years, that oftentimes I would attempt to, to move in to, to, to invite someone to church, to share the gospel, to share God's love, but sometimes I'd get outnumbered, and all of a sudden I'd be at a lunch room and just trying to have a conversation about church or, or, or maybe just inviting somebody to church, and then all of a sudden enter the conversation, pornography, or some kind of lewd language or cursing or whatever, and the conversation goes south so quickly that I find myself saying, excuse me, I, I've got to go to the restroom. I just, I just, that's not who I am. And so it's difficult sometimes because we have a conflict with morality, with this world. And so what fellowship? It is very difficult. Listen, it's difficult to have a deep personal relationship with someone who doesn't know the Lord. That's why it's so important that we have deep personal relationships with people that do know the Lord. Are you with me? And so I'm saying here this morning that we need to understand fellowship was for believers only. And that's why Paul told the church, listen, be careful to be, un, to be yoked together with unbelievers. And then number, number four, fellowship centers on our common relationship to Christ because that's what fellowship is all about. It's all about Jesus. It's our common relationship. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so because of that, we can have awesome conversation about the Lord. We can share with each other about what God's doing in our life, right? Hey, what's God doing in your life? What were your devotions like this morning? Because there's three levels of conversation, and we hardly ever get to that level because we're really good at the first level, and that's surface conversation. Really good at surface conversation. How was the weather? How's things going? Hear about the Razorbacks. What about the Cowboys? It's not much of a conversation these days, but anyway. Hey, what's happening with this? And we have these surface conversations that don't really go anywhere. They're, they're sort of, you know, they, sometimes even a surface conversation, I've noticed, we're not really who we are. It's more like, hey, oh, well, how you doing, brother? What's going on? Hey, God bless you, you know? Like, sound like we've got a steeple stuck in our throat, you know? Surface conversation. The second level of conversation, it's a little better. It's called personal conversation. This is where I ask you maybe about your health or your career, you know? A little bit deeper. Hey, how are things going uh, with your family, you know? But the deepest level of conversation by far is spiritual conversation. And can I tell you, so we can all, along with me sometimes, just, I think it's good for us all to feel convicted at the same time. I don't know how much this goes on, even in our church. Just good spiritual conversation where we talk about our Bible, we talk about our Jesus, we talk about our walk with Christ. And this conversation becomes the deepest level of conversation in fellowship. And if we are not constantly pushing each other towards level three, conversation will become a social club really fast. And there's enough social clubs. There's enough rotary clubs. This is not a club. This is a fellowship of believers. We do life together. And the most deep conversation we have is not Razorbacks. It's the Bible. 
And I'm not against the Razorbacks. I love to talk about the Razorbacks. I'm a big Razorback fan. And I'm not criticizing that conversation. We need to still have it. Don't be afraid of it. But let's, let's admit that it's not deep. It's not the deepest. It's not what matters. It's not what's more important than anything else. My relationship with Jesus. And I don't want to hide behind surface and personal conversation to keep from talking about that. Well, the ways, there's some ways we can get to level three conversation. It's not always easy, is it? How do you do that, Pastor? How do you, I mean, how do you start talking about the Bible? Well, let me give you three suggestions real quick. Number one, don't rush. Take your time. First of all, sometimes we can overwhelm somebody new to the church, right? Here, somebody comes to the church for the very first time. Hey, I was reading the book of Galatians the other day about sin, and I'm just curious, what kind of sin's going on in your life? It's like, whoa, dude, uh, hey, I, this is my first time, you know. I just kind of wanted to see if I liked it, you know. Don't you get that? I mean, remember your first time? Don't rush. Take your time. I have found that before I can get to level three conversation, I, I, usually, I usually need to, go, need to get to know people a little, little bit. And it, it, Sunday after Sunday and, and, and small group after small group. And before you know it, man, we're, we're, we're friends and we're opening up and we can talk about deeper things. That's why I love small groups. Because small group is where you can get to know someone and you don't have to get in a hurry. It's more laid back than just a Sunday morning service where you come five minutes before or after the service, you rush in and, and we want to rush out. I don't blame you. We're hungry. We want to go eat. I get it. That's Sunday morning. That's it. That's just the culture of a Sunday morning. Sunday morning's culture is not take your time. Sunday morning's culture is rush. I'm look, I got a clock right there. I got to finish at a certain time. I get it. But small group's not. It's relaxed. We hang out, we talk. Don't rush. Number two, go first. You want to get to level three conversation quick, then you talk first. Get your stuff on the table. Make sure they know you've got problems too, but because before you ask them to share their life with you, why don't you go ahead and go first and share your life with them? It might, them, might make them feel a little bit better about sharing stuff with you, you know? I found that to be a, a, a barrier that can be broken quickly when, we, when someone knows we're human too. We make mistakes too. So go first. And then finally, be specific. Let's be honest. Let's be real with one another. Be authentic. And, and you know, sometimes we can, we, we, people just know when you're faking. They know when it's not really, you know, a, a conversation that's going anywhere. But people also know when it's authentic, real conversation. And we can get to that level. Nothing wrong with surface conversation. I have it every day, multiple times a day. Nothing wrong with personal conversation. I have it every day, all the time. But there's something super special about the word fellowship when it comes to the deepest level of conversation, and that is Jesus Christ, the Bible, the Word of God, my walk with Christ. Let's let level three conversation become a powerful tool to take us to next level fellowship. Next, five. Fellowship involves sharing what I have. There's no selfish fellowship. What's mine is yours. Look at it in Scripture with me. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse number 1. Let's begin with verse 1 just to get the context here. Uh, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction. So time out. Let's think about right now, we just took up an offering. Has anybody noticed gas prices lately? It's, it's crazy. And hey, and hey, 
we're not even close to where they are in other parts of the country. It's already over $7 in some parts of the country, right? Everybody, know, everybody notice everything's going up? Everybody notice everything's going up? Every, everything. I mean, everything's going up. Gas especially, but everything's going up. So you might say economically there is a little bit of a trial going on in our country. There's things that are happening right now. We know this war is affecting a lot of things. I'm just sharing that with you to say, let's see how it affected these folks. They were in a great trial of eviction. The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Even though they were not doing well, they found out a way to give generously. Paul says, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing. They blessed Paul. They helped Paul out financially, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship. There's that word. Paul talked about it all the time. And the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Some of your versions might say, and I like this actually, and the fellowship of giving to the saints. We do this together. That's what we did today. Today, in a time of affliction, in a time where our nation is being shook financially, in a time that we're not really sure about what the near future holds, in a time when there's a lot of folks concerned about budget, we found a way to give. We found a way to give. Whether it's in abundance or in poverty, we gave this morning. And I'm saying, look, there's more time to give. You, there, you can give by the end of the week. There's more time to give to this offering. If, if anything I've said has encouraged you and you didn't give, but now you feel like maybe you should give, to God be the glory. Because the purpose of this is to say fellowship involves sharing. You can't have fellowship with someone else and not be willing to give of them what you have. Because true biblical fellowship will cost you. It cost Jesus. And it will cost us. It'll cost us time. It'll cost us time. Yeah, but you know, I'm busy and I've got a schedule and I've got this going and that going. Well, why don't you consider maybe moving some of that off your schedule and moving that brother or that sister that needs you on your schedule. Maybe it would include abilities, resources, You see, we can't fellowship until we share what we have. I heard Johnny Pope say this years ago, a preacher that I I, I love to listen to. He said, the devil's philosophy is this. You ready for the devil's philosophy? Here's the devil's philosophy. What's yours is mine. That's how Satan works. If you've got it, I want it. Here's the world's philosophy. What's mine is mine. Won't you ask me for what's mine? This is my retirement. This is my money. This is my truck. This is my house. This is my car. This is mine. What's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. I won't ask for yours if you don't ask for mine. That's the world's philosophy. But here's the church's philosophy. What's mine is yours. If I have it and I can give it, it's yours. It's yours. And that's what Acts chapter 2, verse 44, you can see it. Now, all who believe were together and had all things in common. All things in common. And that's what I love about our church. Can I brag about our church for just a minute? I sincerely mean this. As a church family, I think accolades are in place right now. This is a generous church. I'm blown away. Listen, I I won't tell you which small group, but I heard this week in a small group that there was a need that a family had to go visit their family in Guatemala. 
And the cost for the tickets and to get there, I think, was $1,000. And so this small group took up an offering in their small group and gave that couple $1,000 this week to be able to go see family in Guatemala. How cool is that? When a pastor hears about that, I get excited. That's doing life together. Oh, you've got a need? How are you going to get to Guatemala? Well, I really don't know. Well, how much is it? Well, it's $1,000. Well, hey, guys, I don't know if we can do it. Let's try. I love that. That's beautiful. And, and look, I'm not suggesting that all of a sudden next week, you know, we pay everybody's mortgage in the church, you know. I mean, I, all I'm saying is simply this, is that God is going to give us opportunities to share what we have. Let's be sensitive to those opportunities and let's help when we can. Amen. This is what fellowship means. Number six, fellowship is about partnering in ministry. It's what we did today with Jared and Jennifer Huntley. It's what we did today. Scott mentioned it. Scott stole my thunder because he hears the first sermon, so he preaches half the sermon in his introduction. (laughs) Jordan does the same thing, you know, when he leads worship, you know. I tell these guys when I'm preaching, and they preach it, right? I'm I'm joking. I don't take that personal, but they do sometimes. Anyway. So what we did was we partnered together with the Huntleys. We took, we said today, we're going to give so we can help Washington, D.C. reach some Marines with the gospel. Amen? I don't have time to go to Washington, D.C. Hot Springs is quite enough for me. Uh, I'm not interested in Washington, D.C. I pray for it. But I know one thing, if I know somebody's up there preaching the gospel, I want in on that. And the best way to get in on that is Annie Armstrong, right? I mean, for me. So I give to that so I can be a part. Hey, Jared Williams was here a few weeks ago. I watched him get to know our church family. He preached in church. He preached at the Valentine's banquet. We fell in love with, 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 with him. We, we just did. Jason was a great guy. I watched people give to him. I watched them shake his hand. I watched, him, I watched them get close to him. I watched many say, hey, I'm coming to Columbus, Ohio. I want to see what God's doing. That's partnering together in ministry. That's what fellowship is all about. Our hearts get knit together. Look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 9. Paul says, And when James Cephas, that's Peter, James Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived, they perceived the grace. They perceived the grace that had been given to Paul. He said they gave me and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, they gave us the right hand of fellowship. Anybody ever grow up in one of these Baptist churches where the pastor said when somebody joined the church, let's give them the right hand of fellowship? Today, after some folks joined, I I won't say right hand of fellowship because I I didn't really understand it until I read this passage. I I didn't even know this was in the Bible. I thought this was just something that was like a Baptist creed, you know? Like you just say, the right hand of fellowship. You shake people. In in America, a handshake is not a whole lot, is it? We, We shake hands with people we like and we shake hands with people we don't like. I mean, shaking hands is no big deal. There's no vow to it. There's no commitment to it. There's no covenant to it. It's just a practice where we just shake hands. But I can assure you, in the Middle East, it's much more than that. When you shake hands there, it would have meant to make a solemn vow of friendship and partnership. And when Peter and James and, 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 and uh, let's see, Peter, James, Peter, and John, when they saw that Barnabas and Paul were going to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and they were going to preach the gospel to the Jews, they said, let's come together, let's join hands, let's partner together, we're in this together. You're going that way, we're going this way, but we're all serving Jesus, amen? They partnered together. 
You know, some of the most incredible relationships that I've had have been developed when I rolled my sleeves up and went to work with somebody. Sometimes we just sit around and drink coffee way too much. We need to get to work together, serve God together. I mean, sweat together and, and serve together and, 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 and witness together. And that's what this is all about. That's why I'm so thrilled that so many of you are going to the Dominican Republic to, to, on a mission trip in June. And you're going, and you're, you're going to spend time getting to know a pastor there. That is going to be amazing. You are going to partner with a pastor in another country for the sake of the gospel under the name of Jesus Christ. Wow. I commend you for that, church. And then number seven, fellowship requires commitment. Philippians chapter 1. Paul was always talking about fellowship. He begins in verse 1. I love this. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. Isn't that good? Basically, what he's saying there is that, man, I'm really excited about you. I love you, and I'm excited about you, and I'm thrilled about you, and I think you're great. I can't stop thinking about you. Every time I, I think about something, I think about you. And it's like, wow, Paul, you are excited about me. What are you so excited about? For your fellowship in the gospel. Look at verse 3 or 5. From the first day until now. You know what Paul was excited about? He was excited about the fact that these people were not just one day with him. It was from that day, and it was consistent. It was not just when it was convenient, but it was through the good times, through the bad times. Let me tell you something. Fellowship is something that, that, that requires commitment over the long haul. That's marriage, that's church, that's friendship. We're going to have hard times. We're going to struggle together. That's why we teach church membership here. That's why we have a church covenant here. Get this. You're, you might be shocked, but we actually told people Monday in my house, don't join our church if you're not going to give. Oh, pastor, that's awful. Man, I bet they're not going to join. Well, some are. Some might wait, but I just don't want to lie to them. I mean, I don't want people to think you can just sit here and, and, and not, not give. I mean, that's what church members do. We can't really be uh, together unless we are contributing, right? I tell people in that meeting, listen, here's the church covenant. Don't join the church unless you're going to go to a small group. Now, if you're not in a small group, don't leave the church unless you feel like you need to. Personally, I think folks that don't get in a small group eventually leave anyway because they don't get connected. We used to call it Sunday school, small group, whatever. But we actually tell folks, look, church membership means something to us. We actually expect to see you. And when we don't see you, we're going to call you. And we're going to say, where are you? What's wrong? We're praying for you. And it's hard to do that if you're not in a small group because sometimes it's hard to get connected when you're just coming on Sunday morning. But this is what I'm saying. Church membership is more than just, you know, I go to that church. It's a commitment. Fellowship requires this. How does commitment break down in the local church? Three things. One, because we are not connecting with other believers, so we move on. We just move on. I think that the majority of church members in my 30 years of being pastor here stay for six months unless they get in a small group or Sunday school. They don't last. Some do. Some are just fine with just sitting. But most people that stay get in a small group they got to get connected. Number two, people are not partnering together in ministry, so they move on. Because they're not working together, they're not serving together. 
It's so important. My family and I understand the value of serving together. I want to serve with my wife. Oftentimes, I'll say, honey, let's do this together. Let's go make this visit together. Will you come with me? Because I know it's important for us to be together in this. I like to make visits with you, visits with our staff. I want to do things together because when we serve together, we upgrade our fellowship. We just do. Because when you're giving your life to someone for a common cause— It's incredible what it does for your commitment to them and to your church. Thirdly, people pull back from their commitment because their feelings get hurt. So we pull back. But what we need to understand is we're all sinful people, and we're going to get our feelings hurt. I've got my feelings hurt. Ah, pastor, you didn't have thick skin. Well, I have thick skin when you have thick skin. I'm sensitive. I get hurt, and you get hurt doesn't mean I'm going to leave. doesn't mean I'm going to go, well, I'm going to go find me another church where the people really appreciate me. Then I do that and find out they don't, you appreciated me more. They don't, we always think the grass is greener on the other side. No, here's where it's greener. When you press through your disappointment and you're stronger because you went through a tough time together. You had a tough conversation. You got your feelings hurt and you went to that person and said, look, I am struggling and I don't want to feel this way. Could we talk? I'm struggling. I, I, I'm sorry. I, 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 I need to talk with you about something. And we work through that, and we're stronger after that. That's fellowship. It requires commitment. I read this recently. Here's the kind of commitment we need to make to each other. Brother, sister, I want you to know that I'm committed to you. You will never knowingly suffer at my hands. I'll never do anything knowingly to hurt you. I'll always, in every circumstance, seek to help you and support you. If you're down and I can lift you up, I want to do that. Anything that I have and you need, I'll share it. No matter what I find out about you and no matter what happens in the future, good or bad, my commitment will never change to you. I love you. And that must have meant, that must have been what Paul meant in Philippians chapter 1, verse 5, when he said, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. It could not have been that everything was perfect. He just wanted us to know, I'm with you, right, wrong, or indifferent. We're in this together. Next, fellowship hurts sometimes. It hurts. That's why Paul said, Philippians 3.10, that I may know him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. You know, sometimes I think we determine or we, we decide that the fellowship of his sufferings is just to meditate on what Jesus did for us on the cross. And maybe it includes that. Maybe part of it is that. Maybe part of it is, oh, I'm so thankful that Jesus died on the cross, and he's so awesome, and he's so good, and he gave his life for me, and he died for my sins, and that's amazing, and it is. And we should, I, I think there's a place for that. But I don't think that is what this is talking about. Fellowship is what? It's, 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 it's sharing common life together. And so here in this passage, the fellowship of his suffering brings this question, how can I somehow suffer like he suffered? How can I do that? Well, I don't know that I have to physically suffer like he suffered, but I do know that he suffered in other ways. He was betrayed. He was my substitution. He took a hit for somebody. He took a hit for me. He, 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 he did not deserve something that I did deserve, 
and he took upon himself something that I deserved. He didn't deserve it. I did deserve it, but he stood for me. He suffered for me. He didn't have to, but he did. And I think sometimes in a church fellowship, we need to realize that sometimes it's going to hurt to be with each other. It's going to hurt. We're going to offend one another. We're going to sin. I'm going to let you down. You're going to let me down. It, listen, fellowship is not always beautiful. Sometimes fellowship gets a little ugly. It's not always sweet. But I can tell you, if we're willing to allow fellowship, if we'll accept the hurt that comes with it and work through that, there's a glorious resurrection on the other side. I'm so thankful today that I have hurt with you and you've hurt with me and we're still together serving God together, although it has not been easy. Amen. Number nine, fellowship requires honesty. It requires honesty, authenticity. There's no fellowship without genuine, transparent honesty. Look, if you would, please, at 1 John chapter 1. These are great verses. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. For if we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Isn't that awesome? So we walk in the light because he's in the light. We walk in truth because he is truth. And we have fellowship one with another. But then notice the last part of that verse. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Wow, that took a quick turn for the worst. I was really liking that verse until then. Think about it. Walk in the light as he is in the light, and we have fellowship. Oh, this is wonderful. Tiptoeing through the tulips with all of my wonderful church members. And then sin comes into the picture. Why? Because we're sinners. Amen. And God knows we're sinners. And so sometimes fellowship is going to require us to to be honest and transparent about the fact that, look, I'm not going to be perfect, and, 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 and sometimes I'm going to have to be honest with you and let you know that I'm hurting and I'm struggling, and, and I, I need you to help me, and, and I need Christ's forgiveness on a daily basis. Can I tell you, some of us, if not me, myself, have already sinned before I came to the pulpit this morning. I mean, we're prone to wander. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from sin, and we can have fellowship with one another, not because we're perfect. Because he's perfect. Because he forgives, and we can forgive one another. And, you know, a large group like this leads to pretense. I mean, we all get together, we raise our hands in worship, and we look at certain people, and we say, I could never be as spiritual as they are. And so what I think I'll do is I'll just kind of stay over here to myself because they're so spiritual, and I'm not all that spiritual. And look at that person. They, they, they're a great Christian, and I'm not a great Christian. Wait a minute. That's, that's not... That's... Listen... That's a mirage. The closer you get to a mirage, you all of a sudden see what it really is. And the closer we get together, the more we're going to see each other's flaws. Amen. Hey, church, this will change our church because now we don't have to worry about, well, this crowd over here is spiritual and this crowd's not spiritual. It's not about separating our church into spiritual categories. It's about making our church one. We're all sinners saved by the grace of God. Amen. And we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. We can be honest with one another. That's the only way to fellowship. Be genuine. 
be transparent, be willing to change because of the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. And then finally, fellowship produces unity. This is awesome. This is what everything I've said produces. Every, the whole message, go back and look at all nine points and let this final thought explode. Unity. God loves unity. And our church needs to be stronger together, right? And so let's read this passage together, this final passage on the screen. Philippians chapter 2. Paul is talking uh, to the Christians here in this church, and he says, Therefore, if there is any consolation, if there's any benefit. Now think about that. If I was talking to you right now, and I said to you, Hey guys, you know what? If there's any benefit to this message at all, if there's any benefit to the service, if there's any benefit to to God's blessings in your life, any benefit, if you could see anything good about that, if you have any comfort of love, if you felt any love this morning from Christ, from others, if you felt any of it, if you've had any fellowship of the Spirit, if you've had any affection, if you've, if you've had affection uh, to Christ or by Christ, any mercy, if you've received mercy this morning, if any of that has happened to you, he says, fulfill my joy. Make my day. Here's all I'm going to ask. If you've experienced any of that in the church this morning, would you be like-minded? Would you have the same love? Would you be of one accord? Would you have one mind? Why? Because that's God's heart. God's heart is that we get along. You ever said that to your kids? Just get along. You're brothers and sisters. You should be best friends. Quit fighting. Be. Can't you see how good God's been? Look at, look at all of Look at what God's doing in our church. Look at the love that we have here. Look at the, the blessings of God's fellowship. Look at what God's doing. Let's be of one accord. Let's be of one mind. That doesn't mean we don't let each other down. We've already covered that. We're going to let each other down. We're just going to work through it. That's what fellowship is. Oh, listen, I'm asking our church family this morning to upgrade their fellowship. If, it's, if the upgrade includes getting in the small group, let's start talking about that. By the way, we're starting, I pray, a small group in the village soon. If you live out towards Jesseville or Fountain Lake, that's been a real struggle because that's a long way from our church, right? I had three families in the first service that said they live in Jesseville, three and they said, Pastor, when that, church, when that small group starts in the village, you've got to tell us about it. Man, we've got to get in a small group after that sermon. We're not connected at all. We just come on Sunday morning, and we want to get connected. Maybe the upgrade is a, is a small group. Maybe the upgrade in your fellowship is discipleship. Maybe it's, it's just spending more time talking about the Bible than we talk about anything else. Maybe husbands and wives, our fellowship with our spouse and family needs to go from television to the dinner table and talk about what did you learn this week in the message. You know, sometimes I think we let the television raise our families. We let our busy schedules just, we get so wrapped up in the routine of life that we never stop to say, let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. And so I don't know what that upgrade looks like for you, but let's all determine right now we're going to start praying about that, talking about that, and we're going to take our fellowship to another level together.
because it means a whole lot more than just how are you doing, how was your day. It's more than a handshake. It's a relationship. And so if you're here today and you've never had a relationship with Jesus, you've never started a relationship with Christ, if you've never experienced what it's like to get your sins washed in the blood of the Lamb of God, then this morning I invite you to receive Christ today and and enter into fellowship with Him. That's where it all starts. But I, I guarantee you it doesn't end there. There's so much more as you grow in grace and you grow in Christ and you experience the fellowship of the believers. So we're going to have a song of invitation, a song of response, and some may feel like it's, it's a, it would be a time to come and pray at the altar. Some may want someone to pray with them, and I love that. So whatever it is that God speaks to your heart about, this is our time to respond in, in, in prayer, in worship, whatever God the Father would lead you to do. Let's pray. Father. I thank you so much for this fellowship of believers that I've called home for 30 years. Lord, in just a few weeks, we're going to celebrate 30 years of fellowship. And God, we've had our highs and we've had our lows. And, but Father, here we are, a church, standing together. Lord, having our sins washed and cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus, for walking in the dirt with us. Thank you for being willing to bleed and to cry and to weep over us and for us. And Father, because of your example, we want to follow that. We want to be just like you, Dad. We want to be just like you. We want to suffer the way you suffered for each other. God, we want to, we want to be willing to sacrifice for the common cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we, like Paul, be willing to give even if it's of our poverty. God, although I don't think any of us really know what that looks like yet, Father, may we be willing to participate, serve together, love together, work together. I love you, Jesus, and I thank you for this wonderful group of people I get to serve with. I cannot wait to see what you're going to do with the rest of this month and how you're going to bring us closer together. Help me to be sensitive as a pastor to the needs of our people, and may they be sensitive to the needs of their pastor, and may this just continue to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand together?